This past Monday and Tuesday, I was in Manhattan, Kansas with other pastors of the Kansas district as we attended keynote addresses and small group presentations. As a whole, I found the experience to be a good use of our time, and I did learn quite a few things, some of which I would like to share with you right now. Dr. Charles Blanco from our Concordia University in Nebraska led a breakout session entitled, Humbly Bold Proclaimers of God's Word. And that sounded pretty interesting to me. Little did I know that it would challenge me and force me to evaluate my own preaching. My attention focused on the bold part of the topic title, but after attending, I am convicted with the uh, humble part. As the title suggested, and being in an audience of pastors, Dr. Blanco's message was not directed towards you, the congregation hearers, but to us, the proclaimers. It was one of those messages of, hey, hey, here's what you're doing, and okay, to be honest, I've done it too, but here's why you want to stop doing that. So, what did he say? What are preachers doing that they need to stop doing, or at least go carefully if you're going to go at all? The caution that he presented to preachers was to go carefully when developing a sermon from a portion of Scripture and know the difference between what is latent and what is patent. I, I know, I wasn't really familiar either with these terms, at least not in this context of being applied to reading of the Bible or preaching. Patent items are those things that are obvious, plain, open to inspection. For example, John chapter 11, verse 35 is two words, Jesus wept. It is patent that Jesus cried, but that is a very short sermon, so most pastors then add in latent material. A latent item is present kind of in the text, but not developed by the text itself. So, if a preacher were to craft a sermon, say on John 11:35, two words, Jesus wept, he would then need to fill in 14 to 20 more minutes of latent material. And this filling in would be from the preacher himself, and obviously not explicitly from the text itself. Well, Every sermon requires the preacher to fill in with latent material that gives the background, context, and applications of the Bible reading you know, to our, our everyday lives. Otherwise, you know, we're just simply reading the text and nothing more. No, preaching requires the preacher to fill in more from himself. Current events, past examples, what other people have said, other interesting bits that you know, keep people coming back to church week after week. But here's the problem with latent material. Since it is fill-in content from other sources and from the preacher himself, such fill-in material might actually be in conflict with what the text actually says or is intended to say. If the preacher preaches on the patent, uh, the patent, the patent text, that Jesus wept and goes into elaborate and emotionally gripping reasons why our dear Savior wept. Such 
latent fill-in material might bring us to tears and move us deeply and make us think fondly of Jesus and even the pastor himself as one who can really preach a sermon. But the truth is, latent material is just that. It's made up. Now, I didn't say it was wrong, but it might not be all that helpful or even the main point of the text before us. John 11:35, Jesus wept, comes from the account of Jesus crying at the tomb of Lazarus, his dear friend who has died. The text itself from John 11 does not patently give us a reason for his tears. But such mysteries are so tempting for preachers. They're just so juicy. Yes, it just lends itself to, to much sermonic guessing and filling in. But it may come at the expense of the more obvious point of John 11, that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Yes, he is moved to tears at the tomb of Lazarus, and we don't know exactly why. It is an important detail, but not the main event. And the patent versus latent is more than just a preacher's problem. Latent fill-ins to the text might also be adding extra details which cloud and cover color your hearing of the Bible too. Dr. Blanco gave four different examples and I'm going to share one of them with you. You are familiar with the woman at the well from John chapter 4. Jesus encounters a Samaritan woman who's come there to draw water at noon, which is very unusual. Normally, women would travel together at the cool of the day, in the beginning of the day, not noontime in the heat. After a brief discussion with Jesus, we learn that, oh, wait a minute, she's had five husbands, and the man that she's now with, not her husband. Uh-huh. Yeah, these details are patent, obvious. They're in the text. They're open to inspection by anyone. But the latent details are most likely also in your head. And you've heard them from preachers like myself or others telling this story. In fact, the Chosen video series, The Chosen takes this account and does a masterful backstory of her life. We see and hear from the previous husband. We, we feel the scorn of her fellow Samaritan neighbors who see her as damaged goods and a wayward woman. But all of this is latent, filled in from our imagination, for it is not actually in the text. Oh, yes, it is, you protest. She's had five husbands, and the man she's with is not married to her. Sounds pretty convincing. But wait, does the text itself actually say that she was a wayward woman? Yes, she's had five husbands. But, but wait, wait. It doesn't say that she's had five divorces. It, in fact, doesn't give any moral evaluation of her marital status at all. Jesus made no moral evaluation, good or bad either. He simply noted the reality that she's had five husbands and the one she's with, she's not married to. Perhaps they've all have died, and she is the most unlucky of women in her community. 
Perhaps she has been rejected as a barren woman in each of the men that she's been married to. So I will not have her if you can't produce children. And perhaps the man she is with is not her lover, but an elderly man that has taken her in and she is caring for. She is providing care for him and he is providing food and keeping her from starving to death. The text itself leaves open the possibilities that she was not a pariah in her community, but rather a voice to be listened to because they listened to her and they followed her out to see Jesus. Now, the reason that I'm sharing this with you is that you, like me, might be, you know, just be more aware of what we're adding to the Bible and what it really says. Because what the Scriptures actually says is used by the Holy Spirit to bring life and faith and hope and truth into our souls. I know that we cannot avoid filling in and musing about the backstories, and that's fun and it makes for a good sermon. But at least start with a clean text and hear what the Bible actually says. I pray that you all have a great weekend. This Sunday, I will be with our brothers and sisters at the Ascension Congregation in Pratt, Kansas. Their pastor's out of town this weekend, and I get to share the good word with them. I'll try to use as much patent, patent material as possible. See you all then on Wednesday and the following Sunday.